When I was growing up, one of my favorite family activities was um, morel mushroom hunting. And my dad owned uh, two farms. And in those days, they had hedgerows between smaller fields. Now they've taken those out, and they've got large fields and huge equipment. But those hedgerows and a couple of stands of trees um, held a wealth of mushrooms. And uh, when it was mushroom season, my mom would load us all in the station wagon. We all had our little brown paper lunch bag to collect morels in. And with nine people in the family, you had to collect quite a few mushrooms for everybody to get their fill. And we usually found quite a few. But my friends at school would talk about going up north, morel hunting, and coming home with grocery bags full of morels. So it's something that I've always wanted to do. And when I went into ministry and my dad sold his farms and then uh, passed away also, but um, Forrest and I didn't have a place to go morel hunting. And I discovered something kind of um, uh, intriguing about Christians, I guess, in the churches that we've served, is that, you know, people who are the nicest Christians, who will give you the shirt off of their back, who, who, will, <laughs> who will, you know, walk with you through the toughest times in life and talk you through any problem, become suddenly quite silent when the subject of morels come up. So, uh, <laughs> so Forrest and I decided, I said, this is something I've always wanted to do. Let's just uh, not take vacation right after Easter. Let's wait and go um, later in May, you know, around morel time go up north, so um, instead of relying on the mercy of others, we, uh, we decided we're just going to plan this trip up north and go morel hunting. And we researched online where's a good place to go. We invited our son and uh, his boys to come meet us there, and we would go mushroom, mushroom hunting. Well, last Friday, we headed up north, and uh, long story short, the weather turned cold, and it rained the whole time. I broke or fractured my toe the first morning getting ready to go out, which made it more difficult to, you know, hobble around in miles and miles, covering miles and miles of the forest, looking uh, for these morels. And we only found one. <laughs> and all of that. And it looked like the bugs got to it before we did. I mean, it was just such a sorry specimen. <laughs> So needless to say, we headed back home after two days, uh, disappointed. But we stopped on the way home, and we did find this batch. Uh, A young man was selling them at a stand, stand, a roadside stand. Uh, So we ended up going with Plan B. And uh, honestly, that sign-up's going to be a little bit. No, 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 that's all. And, you know, that's just a a failed mushroom hunt. But all of us have hopes and dreams and plans that, for a variety of reasons, sometimes fall short of our expectations. We've all had those things in life that didn't turn out as we hoped they would or that we thought the way that we thought they would. Um, Maybe you had a dream, um, a plan of something that fell through. Uh, Maybe a friend disappointed you or let you down. Uh, Maybe you were disappointed or or let down by yourself. And we think that our life is going to go this way, plan A, and only to discover that it's gone this way, plan B. And and now you feel like you're living a plan B life 
or you've had to settle for plan B in some area of your life. And the greatest hope that we have when things don't go as planned is Jesus and the story of his death and resurrection that we see in Scripture. Uh, Things didn't go as planned as the disciples watched their friend, their Messiah, crucified. And, you know, we have the joy and the advantage of uh, understanding Jesus' death from this side of the resurrection. The disciples didn't have that perspective. And as we began this series called Plan B, I, I would invite you to imagine what it was like for the men and women who knew and loved Jesus They had followed him and put their faith in him. They believed he was the Messiah, the one who was going to rescue them from the Romans. Imagine what it was like in the days prior to finding the empty tomb on Sunday morning. They they had been with Jesus for three years. They thought they understood what he was all about, what he came to do. But their picture was limited, and the crucifixion was not in their plans. And you can imagine them gathered on Saturday, filled with grief. Um, the women making plans for Sunday, uh, who was going to go, who was going to bring the ointments, and where they would meet, and what time, and who would go to the tomb, and who would stay back with uh, Jesus' mother Mary, and the men second guessing: was there something that we could have done differently? Uh, could we have uh, somehow saved him? And we don't know the exact details. The Bible doesn't say much about that in-between time between the crucifixion and the resurrection. But those are the kinds of things that we do when we find ourselves in the midst of what looks like a plan B. We do the things that need to be done, right? And we wonder what we could have done differently. And we can feel confused. We wonder about God, where he is, why didn't he come to the rescue, we feel certain, uncertain about the future. And I would guess that that's how Jesus' family and friends felt on Saturday. Probably wanting to have a, some kind of a do-over. And sometimes we just don't understand why things turn out the way they do. And that's probably where Jesus' family and friends were on Saturday. But then came Sunday, <laughs> Then they had a new day with new insights and new eyes to see what God was doing. On Saturday, they wanted a different outcome. They couldn't understand the plan. And they didn't realize that what looked like plan B was actually God's plan A all along. And God was doing the greatest something that anyone could ever imagine. He was defeating death. He was, he was conquering the grave. And uh, here's the takeaway for today's message. Sometimes what looks like plan B is really God's plan A. And, you know, some of you have experienced that. Maybe as a teen, somebody broke up with you and you're devastated. But now you look back and you think, oh, my goodness, I'm so glad I didn't marry him or her, you know. Uh, sometimes what looks like bad circumstances actually turns out to be for our benefit. And before we get into the message, I, I want to give uh, somewhat of a disclaimer. Uh, we live in a broken world, and not everything happen- that happens to us is God's intentional will. Uh, sometimes what looks like plan B really is plan B. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that next week, so come, come back and uh, you'll hear about that. 
But sometimes what looks like plan B is really God's plan A. And there are times when we're trying to get out of circumstances or situations only to discover later that we were right where God needed us to be. And, and things unfold in a beautiful way down the road. So today I want to give you three actions um, that we can take when we find ourselves in what looks like a plan B situation so that we can move forward to discover God working out his plan B in the midst of life disappointments. So in your bulletin, uh, your message notes there, three steps to discover God's will when you find yourself in a plan B situation. The first thing is don't get hung up on the why questions. Um, Recognize that we won't always understand why things happen. Uh, We want to understand our situation. We want desperately to understand what God's plan is, what his purpose is. But there are times when we won't understand. And the good news is that God isn't shocked uh, that we don't understand every circumstance in life. In fact, he prepares us for that in Scripture. In Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, we read, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God's ways are higher than our ways, so it's not surprising, frustrating, irritating, annoying, or limiting to God when we don't understand. Uh, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and this is our memory verse for this week, so... Uh, These are the instructions God gives us. Let's read these together. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So we don't have to understand every detail of our situation. Uh, Sometimes there are things that God wants to do in our lives, and we can't get our mind all around it all at once. And so he leads us step by step through it. And he asks that we trust him, that we seek him in all that we do, and as we do that, then he shows us the right path to take. Uh, we don't under, always understand um, God's ways, but there's much about God's will that's revealed in Scripture that we can understand. And as we try to to discern God's will for us, um, what he's up to in our life, and what he he wants to do, uh, the thing that we start with is what he's already revealed in his word that we should do. I was reading in my uh, devotional time from the book of Deuteronomy, and Moses is telling the people what God expected of them when they got into the promised land. And we read this in verse 29 of chapter 29. It says, the Lord, our God, has secrets known to no one. Uh, There are some things that only God knows. We're not accountable for them. But we and our children are accountable forever for all that he's revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. So there are some things that God hasn't revealed to us. We aren't accountable for the things that, those things. But we are accountable for the things that he has made known to us. And so the second action that we uh, need to take when we're in a plan B situation is to act on what God's already revealed about his will for you. 
God's promised in his word that if you seek him, he'll direct your path. And God's primary purpose for you and his primary plan is that you get to know him, um, that you read his word, you spend time in worship, you seek him in prayer. Those are things that are revealed as part of his plan for us. And he's already given us the great commandment the, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. So as you're trying to decide what to do as you move forward, do what's loving, do what's good, do what's right. Um, we have the revealed will of God to guide us. And the Bible is full of instructions to live according to his will. And often the path forward is just remembering and living out what God has already revealed that we should do in his word. So as you think about those circumstances, the situation that you're in, that you're not sure what God's intention for you is, uh, ask yourself, what has God already shown in his word I should do? Uh, Maybe it's forgive. Maybe it's speak the truth in love. Uh, Turn the other cheek. Ask questions about your situation. Uh, What's the right thing to do? What would Jesus do? What's the next best step I should take according to God's word? Uh, Andy Stanley says it's surrender to the known will of God that paves the way to discovery of the unknown will of God. Uh, Living according to God's known plan is plan A for your life. God's primary plan uh, isn't hidden from us. Look at uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 with me. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So continue to seek God, to live in his ways, act on what God's already revealed we should do in his word, and then number three, move forward with God one day at a time. When we find ourselves in a plan B situation, we want to know what's going to happen down the road, way down the road, when God wants us to trust him, to seek him one day at a time. That's God's plan A for you. It's that relationship with God. That's his primary will. And as you develop that relationship and trust him to lead you, he'll show you the next step to take. And, you know, a great example of this is the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Old Testament, You know, his brother sold him into slavery, right, out of jealousy. That was bad. Uh, he's purchased by Potiphar, uh, and he, because of God's favor on his life, is raised up to the head of Potiphar's household which was good, but then because of a lie, he's thrown into prison, which was bad, and he's there a couple of years, right? But God's favor's on him. He gets elevated to the head of the prison, which was good. Then Pharaoh has a dream that he can't interpret, which is bad, but Joseph can, and in an amazing turn of events, Joseph is elevated to the highest position in the land, second only to Pharaoh, which was good. And, uh, you know, so he ends up storing away grain for these years of famine that uh, the Pharaoh had dreamed about. And God uses Joseph to save the very brothers 
who had sold him into slavery from starvation and the rest of their family as well. And when it comes time for the brothers to get theirs, <laughs> and they come to Joseph uh, seeking uh, his forgiveness and begging for their lives, uh, does anybody remember what Joseph says? Uh, Genesis fifty twenty. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many. Uh, so you may be experiencing what appears to be plan B circumstances in your life right now. But if you are following God's will, seeking to please him in all your ways, and trusting him, he will lead you daily and you can trust him to work all things together for good in your life. And we read that promise in Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And, you know, it may be that you're here today and everything's going great in your life. You're just having, you know, everything's smooth sailing. It's just wonderful. You're so grateful for the ways that God is working in your life and you came here today just to praise him, to thank him. But maybe not. Maybe maybe there's somebody here today that's uh, disappointed and you just have a heavy heart. Maybe there's something that's filling your heart with worry about the future. You're really struggling just to make it through the next day. You're carrying such a great burden. And I think what Jesus would say to you is, I want, I want you to give that to me, to, to just put it down. Give me your disappointments. I want you to give me your fears. Give it all to me. Trust me. You're going to make it. I, I, Jesus would say you're going to make it. And he would invite you, move forward with me one day at a time, and I will help you through. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you that uh, even when we don't understand what's going on in our life or why circumstances unfold the way they do or um, why we are where we are, that you're still God and that we can trust you to keep your promises to be with us, to keep your promise to work everything together for our good and help us, Lord, to know what our next step is. If there's anybody here that's really struggling and, and burdened uh, with fear about the future, I pray that you'll lift that from them this morning, that you would speak to their heart to, to let them know that you're going to stay with them, that you're going to walk through this with them. And I, I just put them in your hands and thank you for all the promises that you've made to us. Uh, and God, please uh, work out your plan A in their lives. And I ask these things in Jesus' name.